podcast is provided for general information and for general information purposes only and does not replace your financial, tax, legal or finance product advice. Hello everyone and welcome to The Female Investor, your chance to listen to two of Australia's leading property experts talking about all things property buying, finance, strategy and lots more. Kate Hill and Nicola McDougall are the authors of the book The Female Investor, Creating Wealth, Security and Freedom Through Property. Kate is an award-winning property mentor and coach, a qualified property investment advisor and founder of buyer's agency, Advisable. And she's a successful property investor herself. Nicola is an award-winning and prolific property journalist. She has been involved in property research, analysis and reporting for 15 years. And she is also a successful property investor herself. Property investment is one of the simplest, safest and preferred ways for women to create financial freedom. And with the right information to make an educated and informed decision, this can be achieved. If you know a woman who is concerned about her financial future, or maybe that's you. If you're keen to improve your chances of creating an income for life, then this is your place to learn, be inspired and motivated. Along with some special guests, Kate and Nicola will be offering genuine practical news and tips to women of any age to stake your claim on the property market. So come on, ladies, stay tuned and let's do this together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Female Investor Podcast. I am Kate, and I am back today with Tina Howes from SmartMove, one of Australia's leading mortgage-broking firms. And Tina is going to talk to us today about using equity to borrow to purchase property. How does it all work? What does it all mean? Stay tuned for today's awesome episode, everyone. Hello, Tina. Hey, Kate. How lovely to see you again. Nice to see you. So another hot burning topic for all our watchers and listeners today. It's about using equity in your home to buy an investment property. Now, a lot of people don't know that you can do that. A lot of people do know that you can do that. They just don't know how. If you have owned your property for, let's say, more than three years or so, the chances are, especially recently, it's gone up in value, which means you can unleash some equity in it, which will help you buy another property. So Tina is here to explain to us how this works and just how much of this uplift in property values that we've all had, how much of that you can access and how does that work. So Tina, tell us what the process is. Tell us us how it all works. Okay. All right. So assuming you have some equity in your property, Mm. uh, let's say the traditional model is you have an owner-occupied property. Yeah. Let's say it's worth a million dollars. You borrowed eight hundred thousand when you bought the property. Mm. Pay that down to about seven hundred thousand. Mm. There is equity there that you can go back to your bank and ask if you can borrow against the value of that property. Mm. Okay. Now the overlying factor here is that from an income and expenses perspective, you need to be able to meet the bank's criteria. Yeah. So we'll talk through that subsequently. Yeah. But assuming you tick that box, then the bank will look at potentially lending you against the value of your owner-occupied property for the mm. purpose of buying an investment property. Mm. So they're kind of using that as, as lock of security to mm-hmm. you to then borrow against that yep. and go off and buy more property. Yeah. 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 So this property that you bought for a million dollars that you've paid your loan down to 700000 mm. it's gone up to $1.2 mm. 
So a misconception is, well, my loan is 700000 it's worth one2 so I've got 500000 that yes. I can use. Yes. No, so no, remember no. when you first <laughs> borrowed how the bank mm. wanted to go to a certain value against the value of the house? Mm. That's still the same. Yeah. So theoretically, you can still borrow up to 80% of the value of that property for the purpose of buying an investment property. Mm. Okay. So that might be the deposit that is required for you to buy that investment property. Mm. So if you're going to buy, say, an investment property, say, of half a million dollars, mm. you want to come up with your, let's say, 20% deposit plus the stamp duty costs and so forth, mm. you need to come up with that 25%. Mm. Potentially, you can use your home to get a loan against the home for the purpose of buying this new investment property, mm. okay? Now, can you go up beyond the 80%? So you can. But something to be really mindful of on the owner-occupied property, mm. if you, say, wanted to borrow $100,000 against that owner-occupied property for the purpose of buying an investment property, but if that took you up to, say, 90% in the value of that property, you don't just pay mortgage insurance on the $100,000. You're also going to pay mortgage insurance on the first $700,000 that mm. you own. Mm. So it's a very expensive yeah. task. It may yeah. actually cost you, you know, 30% of yes. the money that you're like. We're it's talking twenty thousand. Yes. It could mm. very much cost you mm. that much. Mm. So, in my eyes, a smarter strategy is, and the beauty of an investment property is because there are so many markets. Uh, particularly if you're using a buyer's agent such as yourself, Kate, mm. that you can access different markets depending on what your equity position looks like yes. and what your borrowing capacity looks like. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas when yes, you're trying to buy right. a home, yeah. you live in a certain suburb, mm. it's a lot harder mm. to tweak the value of how mm. much you spend on that home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so on the investment property, though, if you wish to, if you need to borrow up to the 90%, yes, you're going to pay mortgage insurance on that whole amount, but it's an investment loan. Mm. Um, and if it helps to achieve that getting into the, the particular price point that you need to, to buy yeah. that quality yeah. asset, yeah. then it can make, make sense. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. So that's generally kind of how it's done. Um, when the bank looks at uh, the affordability, yes, they will factor in the new loan on the new investment property. Yeah. They'll factor in the rent on the investment property, but they will allow for, for a thing called um, a vacancy factor. So mm. they may only take 80% or 70% of the value of that mm. rental income. Mm -hmm. And depending on the lender, they're also going to look at the investment property expenses as well. Yeah. So generally that will come mm. out of the whole equation. Yeah. So you need to be able to afford to factor in, you know, rates, insurances, agents fees and so forth mm. and have that affordability. In terms of income, if I can just, mm -hmm. well, it's technically not income, but do, do any of the lenders factor in this negative gearing? Do they look at yeah. actual cash flow? Yeah. Okay. So there's a small handful mm. of lenders that won't look at negative gearing. Yeah. The majority of lenders will actually mm. factor in negative gearing. Mm. So yeah. that's why it's important when you are buying an investment property to know the ownership structure. Yes. Yeah. So if you were to buy in a company or a trust, there's no negative gearing. So mm. lenders mm. won't factor in negative gearing in that circumstance. Yeah. yeah. If you're buying 50-50 between yourself and a partner, mm. then the negative gearing will flow through to both of you. Yeah. Um, if you're wishing to put the asset 99% in the higher income earner, mm. then that negative gearing will be factored into 99% of yes. that higher of income earner's yeah. income. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so no, absolutely, you can mm. do yeah. that. Yeah. 
I know, Kate, for any of your clients, when they come to you and they want to buy a property, mm. you will do beautiful cash flows so that they can yeah. see what the income looks Absolutely. like. Yeah, yeah, You'll yeah. do that on an interest-only basis and a principal and interest. Yeah. And it's not yeah. uncommon that that net figure, you know, might be $50 into your pocket a week mm. or not nothing in your pocket. That's right. It's really important to factor in, though, that when the mm. banks are going to look at it, mm. they're also going to say, well, yes, you're asking for an interest-only period. However, we're only going to give you an interest-only period for five years. Can we make sure, can you afford this loan after the five years and repay the loan over 25 years? Yeah. Yeah. So um, even though you're saying it's from a cash flow perspective, this might be the number, Mm -hmm. bear in mind that from the bank's perspective, you may not have the ability to make the principal and interest repayments over that loan. Yeah. When we structure this debt and look, I'm a finance mortgage advisor um, and always talk to your accountant about the best way to structure it. But one thing that I see very, you know, commonly is that against your owner-occupied property, mm. you'll have principal and interest repayments. Yeah. You want to pay that debt down as quickly as you can because there's no tax benefits. But for as long as we have negative gearing out there, many accountants and financial advisors will suggest to their clients for an investment property to have that debt as interest only mm. so that all your surplus cash flow can be used towards paying down your owner-occupied mm. property, okay? Now, my advice would be get your accountants buy-in on that and don't fall into the, the position of, well, after the interest-only period expires in five years, we'll just roll that over because bank lending criteria change. change. Yep. Property values change, mm. um, assessment rates change, mm. life circumstances change. You may not, even though you've been making your loan repayments and never missed a beat, mm. you may be forced to go back to your bank after five years of your interest-only period expiring, do a whole new assessment. Yeah. You may not meet their criteria, so you no. might be forced to make principal and interest mm. repayments. Yeah. So my advice to anyone making interest-only repayments mm. Make those repayments still yeah. for principal and interest, mm. but put that against your owner-occupied property. Mm. Put it in an offset account mm. so that you have access to those funds in the event yeah. your bank says, sorry, you have to roll onto principal and interest mm. and you can't refinance at the moment yeah. to get another term. And look, another thing that I come across sometimes is people who, you know, that that they, they go principal and interest on their yeah. investment property loan because the interest rate is so much lower. You know, and they think that they are, you know, they're actually paying less, but they all that principal that's being paid off on the yes. investment property that should be ideally, you know, yes. into the owner occupied property, which, yeah. like you say, is a non tax deductible debt, right? Yes, yes. Anyway. I, have, mm. I have many clients that mm. psychologically they want to be paying principal and interest, yeah, but they've still got big yeah. mortgages, yeah, and to, or yeah. any mortgage, yeah. not even a big mortgage, just yeah. a mortgage, <laughs> yeah, whether mm. you've got. 20 grand a year going off property A mm. or property B, your overall debt position mm. is still going to be the same. It is. So it just is. be smarter yeah. let the tax Agreed. man help you in terms Agreed. of paying no, that I debt agree. off sooner. I agree. And, and that's exactly right because I think, you know, you're, you, you will pay your home off quicker. You know, you're going to have a better cash flow. You know, you're going to maximise your tax deductions on the investment property if you get more tax back, that's money that can go back into paying your owner-occupied debt off. You know, it's just, it's like you say, it's just working smarter, but it is, 
it's like, you know, people have those set ideas, I think. Yeah. That they do. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with paying debt down. Absolutely. You know, we're just kind of saying be smart about which debt you're paying down yes. first and how big is your home loan and, yeah. you yeah. know, talk to your accountants, talk to your brokers. Yeah. Because yeah. mm. I think if we go back five years ago, yeah. probably a bit longer than that, there actually was no rate differential in an interest-only loan or a principal and interest loan. That's exactly right, yes. So it wasn't common to just get an interest-only loan in your occupied property Mm. um, or portfolio loan. All of those products were Mm. out there. That's right. Um, Then we saw the implementation of higher interest-only loans and the rate differential was quite significant. Yes, So there was a lot of, Mm. as you say, tougher decisions to be made. Mm. But that that gap has come down and particularly investment interest only in some of the smaller lenders mm. um, there are some really sharp rates out yeah there. it's pretty good it's pretty but good. it absolutely still makes sense to pay interest yes. only and be yeah. steering that but but do steer that cash somewhere yes yes so rest on your laurels <laughs> that's right <laughs> another one that i come across is the got this cash that i'd like to use to buy an investment property mm. we're sitting on a, a home with some equity and a mortgage so my suggestion would be mm. well Keep that cash, use that cash to either mm-hmm. put into an offset account against your, your home, debt. and use debt or use equity mm. to purchase this property. Because when you go to do your tax every year, mm. the interest on the investment property is a tax deduction. Mm. Therefore, it's kind of is just a slightly different scenario to what we were just talking about, but it's essentially yeah. the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 because you're going to pay tax on the rent. That's right. <laughs> less the expenses mm. so rather the mm. whatever expenses you can have on that investment is going to minimize that position so that negative gearing or no negative gearing if there's a profit that's taxable income taxable income right. exactly so you're paying more on your mortgage your homeowner debt that you should than you should be because yes. you're putting cash into your investment property which then is going to be almost cash flow positively yep. geared and you're going to pay tax on that income it just yep. Doesn't yeah. make sense, right? Exactly. And if you're not comfortable about just keeping the money yeah. in the offset account on your home mm-hmm. loan, put it in. Because your net debt position is exactly the same. Right. That's um, right. And Pay talk to your accountant about that. Get yeah. proper tax advice. Yes, but keep in buffer. my experience. Yeah, keep a buffer if you need to, but yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. If you were, well, if you were prepared to use yeah. the hundred grand savings mm. towards your investment property, mm. then you should be prepared to use the hundred grand savings to pay down your own home loan. loan. Absolutely, couldn't agree yeah. more. So exactly. I would suggest always keeping yeah. that, keeping some cash as a buffer. Mm. And when you're talking about how much cash you're prepared to use, mm. be open to where that cash goes. Be clever about it. And would you would you say that sometimes people can use redraw facilities for that? They can still pay their home loan down, but have redraw if necessary, for unforeseen personal circumstances? or Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, using an offset or using redraw is one and the same thing. Mm. I, mean, I just think that people people have that perception of actually having paid the money into the loan. They've paid the loan down by a certain amount rather yes. than having sitting there, you know, luring, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yes, yeah, psychologically. You know, it, yeah, psych, that's the Absolutely. Word. I yeah. mean, that's why I'm a fan of, of lenders that will let you have multiple offset accounts. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. a lot of banks will only let you have mm. one. Mm. Um, but if you have a bank that will let you have multiple, mm. then you can actually call it my extra loan repayment account. Mm. Um, I prefer to put your, your money, if there's ever a mm. remote chance that your owner-occupied residence could become an investment, 
Yeah. I'm a really big fan oh, of not paying no, down that put line. it all in offset. Yeah. Yeah. And most people don't know what the future is going to bring. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I like the flexibility of putting I money agree. into the offset. Yeah, I agree. But like yourself, if you have one offset account and you have every single life saving, mm. extra repayments, money for the holiday, all yeah. in one account, it yeah. is really easy to dip into one budget versus the other. No, it is, you know, and yeah. I, I agree. I mean, in a fortunate position on multiple, <laughs> for multiple reasons, but having a number of properties all with offset accounts against them is great because I do have those, you know, there's one offset account that's used for my, those that's for my tax saving, you know, and mine and, and, and husband's tax saving. One is actual saving, saving, paying, yeah. money, it's building up, building up, paying a property yeah. off. One yeah. of the other offsets is for, let's say for a holiday, you know, absolutely doing that, but it is still all offset, but I'm able to compartmentalize yeah. what they're for. And I'm paying principal and interest on all those loans, right? Yes. So yeah. I feel like it's a bit of a double whammy. Mm-hmm. You know, the offset accounts, I think, are if if it works for you, they are, I think it's really powerful because you you have a sleep at night factor knowing you're paying them down, even though you're building up in your offset account, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. But you also have that buffer there, you know, should a global pandemic hit. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And yep. one of you suddenly not working for eight months. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And we all saw what happened with a certain lender a couple of years ago, whereby money was put into a loan as redraw and they reduced the limits on those loans. So right. people's hard earned savings Gone. disappeared. Gone. Whereas they can't take your all personal money out of an offset account. No, that's right. So I'm, um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm about as big a fan of offset yeah. accounts as you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If it works for you, it doesn't work for some people. So again, yes. you know, get your credit advisor to talk to you about that. Yeah. Yes. And all those things we're talking about with, you know, interest only on the investment and principal and mm. that's when you have an owner-occupied debt as yes, well. That's right. If you don't have an owner-occupied debt and mm-hmm. all of your debt is investment and you've reached that point where you don't want to purchase any more properties, mm. then taking advantage of the lower interest rate on principal interest absolutely mm-hmm. makes sense. Goes down. Yeah. And 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 even if you do want to keep buying, still doing principal and interest means that you can just gear up again against that mm. property because you're going to be mm. paying it down. Hopefully it goes up in value. That's right. This equity loan that I've been talking about, mm. you can go and do an equity loan against an investment property okay. too. Yeah. Um, there are a few lenders out there that won't mm. let you go up to 90% against mm. an investment property mm. to buy another investment property. Mm. So just something to bear in mind that chances are you'll be able to go up to 80%. Yeah. Yeah. So in that circumstance, you really know what your plans and goals are when you are deciding on whether it's interest only or principal and interest with yes. regards to buying investment property. Yes. So it's making sure that I think that you use your equity, you know, which is obviously the point of the whole conversation, <laughs> use your equity to do something. It's a very powerful tool, especially obviously when you're buying property because you're leveraging, you know, your return there is significant over the over the years. Make sure your loans are structured properly, which is kind of what we've just been talking about, right, in terms yeah. of structuring how yeah. that equity loan is put together. Now, just quickly, there's some, there's, I know that there, so you would have an option of getting an equity loan in place, which would be the same bank that holds the security of your owner-occupied property. So let's mm-hmm. say that's bank A. They make an equity loan available to you, which you can then use that as the deposit to purchase your property. Now, 
you don't have to go back to bank A to do that. You could go to a different lender, couldn't you, to get the remainder of that, of the funds required. It's twofold Mm. in that you don't have to go to the same lender, but when you go to lender A to get your $200,000 equity loan Mm. or $100,000 equity loan, that lender is going to want to understand the purpose of where the funds are going. Yeah. And more often than not, it's going to need to be in conjunction with a pre-approval to purchase a property so that they can justify that you can afford that loan. Mm. Okay. When you obtain those funds against that property, then they will factor in the future property and the future rental. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. And obviously they they want to keep your business, right? They want to lend you money for that other property. Yeah. Now, and you might get that pre-approval from that lender. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually purchase a property, you may then get a pre-approval from an uh, a formal mm-hmm. approval from another lender mm-hmm. if you have time to do that. Mm-hmm. A more competitive lender that that is more appropriate at mm-hmm. that particular time. Mm-hmm. If you go directly to a bank, yeah, and you want to buy an investment property for half a million dollars, yeah, and you're going to use the twenty-five percent, so the one hundred and twenty-five against mm-hmm. your home mm-hmm. that they already hold as security. They are more than likely going to give you one new loan of five hundred and twenty-five thousand yeah. for that new property. Yes, and they will take security over that five hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar right. loan mm. by both properties. Yes, and that is called cross collateralization. I'm glad you said that because okay. that was my question. <laughs> if you yes. go to a broker, yeah, because the broker has your best interest first, not the bank's. When mm. you go to a bank, they don't have responsible lending best interest duties to adhere to like a broker does, Mm. they want the bank's position to be put first because they are employees of the bank. Yes. And that will require one clean loan. It looks nice and neat for your accountant, but your properties will be cross-secured. So when you go to sell one, you then have to go back to the bank, get the other property revalued, Mm. and that bank will tell you how much Mm. of those sale proceeds they want. Mm. If you go to a broker, they will likely take an 80% loan or a 70% even against the new property. Mm. secured solely by the new property and that's regardless if you go back to the same bank that's got your home loan Mm. okay or to a completely new lender and the the other property will be secured your home will be secured by that loan and that smaller $125,000 loan in that particular example will be secured against that one property only yes I think that's a really important point because it Mm -hmm. Not come a cropper, but it can stop you in the in your tracks a bit later on if you want the flexibility yes. of being able to sell one of the properties. I agree because yeah. I've yeah. been there. Yes, but be mindful mm. when you're using equity in your home. If you then go and sell your home mm. and you don't have a replacement property to give to the bank as security, yeah, yeah. that portion of debt that you borrowed against that home mm. is likely to be repaid. There are some yeah. banks that will let you park it. Secure by term deposit for a short yep. period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's not all lenders. Yeah. And it's fiddly. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Lots to think about. There are lots to <laughs> Make think sure about. you have a good advisor that knows all of these ins and outs. Yeah. And I think it's obviously about a lot more than just knowing that you can access equity in a property that you have it the 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 how you structure that loan to me is one of the single most important things that you that Absolutely. you can do for your yeah. future buying power you know and in terms of building your portfolio structuring your your loans it's oh gosh it's crucial that mortgage planning as well as you know 100%. It's about now it's you know like we keep saying every conversation we have yeah 
spreadsheets. Absolutely. Think it's, ahead next five, four, five, six years. Absolutely. It's mm. sitting down. What are your goals and strategies? Yeah. What are you what's mm. on the cards for the next five years? Because where I set you now, I want to make sure that it's with a lender that can do all these things. Exactly. And exactly. has the functionality. Yeah, yeah. We, we could go for the cheapest lender, but it probably can't do this, oh. this, or this. Mm. And I actually have to refinance you out again, which is just going to cost you more and more money. Yeah. See another conversation right. that we had using cheap yeah. lenders. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was a good one, wasn't it? Yes. Well, they're all good, but yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, everyone, we will leave it there. We could obviously talk about this for the rest of the mm-hmm. afternoon, but we won't. We'll leave it there. Um, thank you so much, Tina. It's it's always so insightful. You explain things really well. I think um, hopefully between us we get our points across <laughs> mm-hmm. um, to the lovely people out there. So um, we will talk to you again really soon. And for now, we will say see you soon. Bye. Thanks so much for your time, Kate. Bye. Bye. And that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and found it super useful. You can email us with any questions that you have on info at thefemaleinvestor.com.au. Don't forget to order a copy of the book, The Female Investor. You can go to your local bookstore, pick it up on Amazon or Booktopia or anywhere that good books are sold. And you can head to thefemaleinvestor.com.au where you can click on the links and also find lots of resources on property investing, news, hints, tips and videos. We will be with you all again soon. Stay safe and well, everyone. Bye for now. Bye.